Welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. Good day to you. Today we're doing an episode that I guess I would call Boundaries Part 2. Because last week we talked about boundaries and there was a lot of interested response from listeners, a lot of engagement. Boundaries, the foundation of healthy social relationships. And when you think about boundaries and you think about where you learned about boundaries, and we're not very succinctly taught at any point about what boundaries are and how do we establish them and what makes for good boundaries. And yet, this is a fundamental part of a healthy social life. So we're talking about boundaries. And last week, we talked about Boundaries are important in relation to strategy. And that strategy, historically the word strategy means like the overview of the general. And it's about seeing the whole landscape, seeing the rivers and the mountains and the weather and obstacles and opportunities. So stepping back and seeing the landscape. When we step back and see the landscape, this is a lot about what wisdom is. Wisdom literally means the vision of the dominion, stepping back, seeing the vastness. Uh, One of the listeners said that listening to the boundary episode helped remind them to step back and see themselves objectively. And I think that's what they meant by this, to step back and have some strategy. But why? Who needs strategy? I just want to live my life. That is not a great approach anymore because most of us have found that we need strategy. Life is hectic. It's got to be respected. So we have strategy. We're trying to make things more visual. And we try to think about boundaries. And we try to think about that more visual. I said, picture yourself a little plot of land like an Irish, like an Irish field surrounded by stone walls. A, a grassy sheep inspired field and that's your little place in the world and there are fences around it and when you think about if you try to think of yourself as a little field with certain types of walls or fences around you my question for you is what type of fence what type of wall and how does that vary on different sides of you when you engage with say you're a teacher there's a type of walls that you put up on the side where you engage your students. Say you are married, there's a side of your walls that are adjacent to your partner or to your children or to your relatives. What do those walls look like? When we think about walls, what are we trying to keep in and what are we trying to keep out? Let me go through a few quotes and then we'll go through a few more brainstorms just to further stoke this exploration of boundaries. And then first start with an anonymous quote, the lack of boundaries equals the lack of respect. So if you don't establish boundaries for your little property, even with the small fence, even with maybe um, a, a little aesthetic fence, not necessarily a huge barrier, But if you don't set those boundaries, no one's going to respect the sovereignty of that land. No one's going to respect the sovereignty of you. This is our little spot in the world and how we curate it, how we steward it, and how we relate to others from that, that's everything to us. 
While looking for quotes, I came across this author, Brene Brown, out of the University of Houston Grad College of Social Work, who had a few really nice quotes on boundaries. When we fail to set boundaries and hold people accountable, we feel used and mistreated. I think that one's an interesting one because I was wondering how to share with you, my fine listeners, what is the indicator? When do we know? How do we assess if our boundaries are good or not? What will we be feeling? What's the red flag that says, hey, the boundary's been violated? And a lot of it has to do with intuition. I think we, if we're in touch with ourselves on an emotional level and we feel that someone kind of violated us a bit or made us feel like not not fully respected that might be a, an indication that we have to reflect on that boundary and like she was saying in this quote here when we fail to set boundaries and hold people accountable we feel used and mistreated so if we feel used if we feel mistreated if we feel disrespected by someone that is a boundary issue and it causes us to reflect on what do we not communicate clearly with our boundaries. I know this week, I feel like boundaries is like the topic of this January. And this week, someone who is one of my friends said, hey, I misunderstood one of your texts and it kind of upset me. Like, I want to talk to you about it. That was an example of her responding really well to an uncomfortableness with her boundary. And we met and we talked about it. And it was just like the poem last week. It's like we met up, we walked along the wall of our boundary, we picked up some of the rocks that had fallen over in the winter and we repaired it and we shook hands and hugged and and it was mostly a misunderstanding. But because this person was uncomfortable and said something about it, we had a conversation about it and we leave feeling closer and more respected, even if we repaired a wall. See, the whole notion here is walls and boundaries are not bad. They're helpful, they're necessary. I know we talk a lot about walls and boundaries in the terms of politics. And some people say, oh, walls are good. And some people say walls are bad. But walls and boundaries do exist throughout nature. If you look at a map of a bunch of, I saw a map recently of five wolf packs in the five wolf packs in the same forest. And there are no fences in this forest, but there are very, very clear boundaries with hardly any overlap. You see, they put some radio collars on these wolves and you see where the whole pack moves. And the five different packs really respect the boundaries. So here it's not, again, it's not a physical wall, but it's a behavioral thing that the wolves do or it's, you know, they might do things like like dogs do, like marking by scent. Basically, marking their territory is just part of nature. So it's not even just a human. This is not a human construct. This is just life. Even think on the smallest of level of the cell. The cell has a cell wall. There is the inside of the cell, and there's the outside. Consider that cell wall. Do we picture it like a stone wall? Do we picture it like a fence? Are there gates? Is that wall porous? What has the cell evolved to let in and to not let in? What are the rules of the boundary of the cell? If we think this way, we realize that walls and boundaries are part of life at all levels of life. Let's go on to some more quotes. This is by Gerard Manley Hopkins. 
Your personal boundaries protect the inner core of your identity and your right to choice. Here's one by Rachel Walchin. Givers need to set limits because takers rarely do. Givers need to set limits. So what what this person is saying is that for those of us who have a strong instinct to give and to support and empathize and be there for others, for us, boundaries is the most important because we like to give. And if you like to give, you can be taken advantage of. So that's why you have to have a very clear set of boundary and knowing what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Because as Rachel Walchin says, givers need to set limits because takers rarely do. This dichotomy of givers and takers is an interesting one that comes up a lot. And I think that'd be a worthwhile podcast um, to explore how true is that, this notion of there are givers and there are takers. Perhaps the most important quote I found, another one by Brene Brown, goes like this. Compassionate people ask for what they need. They say no when they need to. And when they say yes, they mean it. They're compassionate because the boundaries keep them out of resentment. Okay, so here's another red flag. If you're feeling resentment, that's something, that's a, another indicator that you might have to work on some boundaries with someone. If you're feeling resentment, if you're feeling mistreated, if you're feeling used. Okay. To repeat that quote, and again, talking about, she's essentially talking about givers when she's talking about compassionate people. And compassionate people ask for what they need. They say no when they need to. And when they say yes, they mean it. They're compassionate because the boundaries keep them out of resentment. And this goes back to what I said last week. There's really only two fundamental aspects, two fundamental skills, however large, to creating good boundaries. One is to know yourself, to know and love and respect yourself. Because how can we set a fence or a boundary about something we don't really know? So spending that time just getting to know ourselves and accepting our limitations and accepting our strength and just learning how to say no. Learning how to say no. Through some of my jobs over the years, I've had an opportunity to practice boundaries. And certainly now as a bartender, Boundaries are a part of the part of the day-to-day operations of a bar. When you're bartending, you taking on the role of an umpire or a ref to some extent. And I used to umpire baseball games as a kid. And I think being an umpire or a ref or a bartender or any you know a wait, waiter or waitress too, these type of jobs where boundaries come into play a lot. When people are drinking, they often become less respectful of boundaries and you have to be firm. You have to know. You have to know where the fence is. You have to know where that wall is because we're just talking about this, this metaphorical fence or wall. It's quite easy when it's visual to see, hey, I can't cross here because there's a stone wall in the way. But when we're, when we're dealing as a bartender, when we're dealing as social creatures, We have to manage these walls by communication, by words, by tone, by body language. So we have to really know, we really have to know our boundaries and our, 
excuse me, we really have to know our boundaries and our limits. Another thing I thought of this week was the expression, oh, he's, he's got walls up. Oh, she's got walls up. He's got walls up. She's got walls up. A lot of times it's said in a, in a negative light in that it's implying that their walls are too high and they are protecting themselves from close connection because of prior injury, right? That's what we say. Oh, they've got walls up. But isn't it better to have walls up than no walls? And perhaps having some walls up over time, we can learn to lower those walls and allow for vulnerability. So this concept of boundaries and walls relates to our personal history and our evolution. Our walls change. Our walls towards people we don't know, our walls towards romantic relationships, our walls to friendship, our walls to mm, something that takes a lot of courage can change throughout time. So again, I encourage you to take time and, and sketch out that field to think about what do you, your individual sovereign little world, what do you come up against during the week? You have the people you engage with at work. For me, if I'm bartending, that's part of my wall. Is my maybe when I face to the northwest, that's my little, that's my job corner, and that's where I have bartending drawn on my map. And that fence looks a little differently than the fence on the southern side, where it's my fence connected to my mother and my father and my brothers, which is a very different fence. But a fence nonetheless. Boundaries with family, boundaries with coworkers, boundaries with lovers. To be human is to have boundaries. And perhaps this has not always been the case, but this is certainly the case in modern times. So if we know ourselves better and we communicate better and we take the courage to communicate when we have those indicators that our boundaries have been violated. Remember those indicators, resentment, feeling mistreated, feeling taken for granted. Let's also think about this notion of takers and givers. Is it, is it a real thing? Are, there, are some of us more givers and some of us more takers? And how does that relate? Do we identify someone else as a fellow giver or taker? And does that affect the type of wall we put up? Perhaps. Boundaries, boundaries. I'm surprised when I did searches on research how how little there was about boundaries. And I, I do feel compelled to work more on boundaries and to create some some worksheets. Or, or I really do like the example of the main worksheet for boundaries is, is really the sketch. The sketch of our sovereign land. Of our sovereign land. The sketch of our little, little place in the world that's, I think we're onto something here. And if boundaries really are the foundation of healthy social relationships, at what point do we start teaching kids about boundaries? But again, the best, less, the best way we can teach kids is to refine our own selves, to be the best we can be. If we display good boundaries, our children will learn good boundaries. If we display a lack of boundaries, our children will have to figure out on their own how to make boundaries. That's why this self-work, improving the self, getting to know the self, makes life smoother for all those around us. 
working on ourselves is work, is doing work for our families, is doing work for our co-workers, is doing work for our children and our nephews and nieces. If we can be the best people we can be, we sleep well at night and we did the best we could. But we got to keep pushing ourselves, I believe. That's why I say living and learning. Keep moving, keep growing, and trust that if we can get a little bit stronger, grow a little bit, just ever a little bit week to week. This adds up. Week to week, it adds up. All right. Thank you for your time. I respect you. I appreciate you. Stay hydrated. Find some exercise. Think about your boundaries. Living and learning. Have a good one. Bye-bye.